This episode of the Gondrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Kova, the leading compliant point of sale suite for cannabis retailers and delivery services. Kova was developed to address the needs of retail businesses in California, Colorado, Washington, and Canada. Kova integrates with state traceability systems such as Metric and Leaf, as well as a wide variety of other business tools such as Baker, Spring Big, and iHeartJane. Kova also has built-in compliance features such as looping alerts when purchase limit is exceeded, automated sales tax, and instant age verification with ID scanning. Discover the next evolution of cannabis retail software today at kovasoftware.com. Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and you are listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I'm joined by Corey Rowe. He's a documentary filmmaker. The film is called Mile Marker, which follows Rowe, a two-tour veteran of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, as he travels over 7,000 miles across the U.S. to interview other veterans who are currently struggling with PTSD. Uh, this is a super important topic. Uh, there's actually been some federal movement uh, on this issue. Uh, but before we sort of get into the details on the film and you know the, the, the federal legislation, uh, Corey, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. I really appreciate you having me on today to talk about this issue. It's very important to me as a veteran that other people in America hear about it. So few people serve in the military that they don't really have a lot of times a personal connection, perhaps to somebody who directly served in combat. And so I hope to you know, show the world that these people are out there and they're struggling and they need our attention and our help. And so I, I really appreciate you having me on today. No, absolutely. So, so before we sort of get into the, to all these, you know, nuances and details, tell me about yourself, man. You know, what's your background and, and how'd you end up making a documentary? You know, just, just tell me the story. Sure. Um, actually, it's interesting. My whole life kind of can be boiled down to a dime bag of swag. When I was 16 in upstate New York, I got arrested the third time I ever tried to buy weed. Uh, and it was a dime bag of swag. And because of that, I was kicked out of high school. I was labeled a stoner. And I eventually joined the military at age 18 with only a GED because I had no other options in my life. And that was two weeks before 9-11. And I actually said to my best friend, I was like, don't worry about it. There's not going to be a war. And so I joined the United States Army and was uh, shipped to the 101st. And 10 days into my active duty deployment, my tour, I was shipped to Afghanistan, Kandahar, in the initial invasion after the 9-11 attacks. I served there and then uh, proceeded to do a second tour into the invasion of Iraq. So I was with the one unit that invaded both Afghanistan and Iraq. And uh, I had a, a, a quite an experience. I, I saw a lot of things, a lot of things happened. And to me and my unit, and we were unique because we were the first ones in. You know, I got back and after my second tour, I got out. Uh, I went into doing things post-military life and it took a few years before my PTSD really kicked in. And when it did, it kicked in hard. I got in all kinds of trouble, legal problems, drug addiction, uh, you name it, I went through it. And uh, finally, after I went through all of that, I, I, I knew that I had to make a change. And for me, it was a geographical change. I had to get out of the Northeast. I had to move to a place where I had free and legal access to cannabis. And that was California. So I set a date and a time. And I said, if I don't have a job by January 2nd at 7am, I'm going to get in my Jeep, I'm going to drive to California, I'm going to drag my motorcycle out there, and I'm going to sell it for my first month's rent. And that's exactly what I did. Uh, I started from the ground up. And I, I just I had I have these stories inside of me that are just burning to get out. And one of them is this story of my unit and, and our and our tours into the Middle East. And so I actually during my PTSD uh, episodes, tried to make this film originally 10 years ago. 
Uh, I filmed an interview with one of my friends who got in a lot of trouble as well for weapons. And uh, I wanted to show the world that we were struggling and we didn't know what to do. 10 years later, I was still trying to make that story. And after I finally got my life on track out here in California, because I had that access to cannabis, I finally got on the path towards being able to create this project. And so I, again, set a, dot, a time and a date. I had some money and I was like, I'm going to drive across the country and I'm just going to check in on my battle buddies. I'm going to go from California to Vermont on the Southern route. And I'm going to turn around and drive back across the country on the Northern route. I'm going to stop and see as many guys as I can. And that's exactly what I did. Uh, and I filmed the interviews um, and I asked all the guys very personal, tough questions that they typically wouldn't answer to a regular interviewer or news person. This is their fellow battle buddy who was there with them in combat discussing things that we both remember very well. And it gives you a very dramatic insight into the lives of veterans, both in combat and post-military life. And so I, I did all that. And I went from, you know, the Southwest and as you travel across the country, you definitely get a, a different taste as state laws change and as people's options change, whether they were honorably discharged or dishonorably discharged. And uh, you, you get a really good picture on, on life in America for veterans today. And that's the point of this project mile marker is to do exactly that is just to show people that life after military goes on. And, you know, in the United States, as I said, less than 1% uh, serve in active duty military and far less in combat. And so it's, it's a very unique story that not a lot of people are privy to. So tell me, you know, you, you said that you, you obviously, you know, were using a little bit of cannabis when you were a teenager. Um, so how did you end up back to cannabis? You know, when did you realize that that was something to uh, help you deal with the PTSD later? Well, I'll, I'll speak about it in two parts because I originally used cannabis in the fr uh, and the first time I ever took a, a proper inhale, I knew it was for me. Um, I have bipolar disorder as well. It's something I struggled with as a teenager. Um, very, it was very difficult for me. And cannabis, I, I don't know why and I didn't know back then why I felt like I needed it, but it helped. And that was why I always kind of kept going back to it. After the military, when you're definitely not allowed to use cannabis, uh, you know, after the military and not being under their radar anymore, I was able to use it. Uh, and I, and it, it definitely helped me. Uh, and I've, I've always known that it was something that helps. But then I got into real drugs. Um, then I got into heroin addiction. Then I got into alcoholism. And, you know, I went through that whole process because I wanted substances to make me feel better. But at the end of the day, when I was really at rock bottom, I realized that it, it, no matter how much dope you shoot, there's nothing better than smoking a J. And that's just the thing that makes me feel right in the head. And so I managed to get clean and sober and move out to California. And and I I still remember, I took a picture. I still have the picture of the first time I bought cannabis in in LA and I you know had all these great little bags and, and medical symbols and it was legal and, and they had all the THC count on it and, and it was just like this is where I'm supposed to be. And that was the first day of my life being back on track. And it's so going back for the people that know me, they can see the transition from when I got free and legal access to cannabis and how much my life has turned in a positive trajectory because of that. I don't need to go out to the bars. I don't need to go out and find drugs to make myself feel better. It's it, I have legal access to medicine, which has been tried and tested that works for people with both bipolar disorder and PTSD. And so since that day, 
I've been able to just continuously move forward and, and just work more and more towards being a better filmmaker and making bigger projects. And, and that's what I've been trying to do. And, and California has given me that, that ability. So, you know, there's obviously an opioid epidemic in the United States and, and, you know, vets are often cited as, you know, one of the populations hit hardest by, um, you know, the the overprescription of opioids. Is that what led you to, you know, to heroin? No, no. For me, I was just looking to get over the demons in my head. I didn't, you know, I used to ride a motorcycle. And when I would ride that motorcycle on my left shoulder would be all the brothers I left behind. And on my right shoulder would be all the innocent people that died because of us. And that was an image that I carried with me at all times. And if you can imagine, it's pretty heavy. So I I would use substances to try to eradicate those negative feelings. And when you learn about addiction, you realize that this just makes it so much worse. However, within my film, you definitely meet a bunch of guys that were overprescribed opiate medication that uh, fell into heroin addiction because of that. One of the main stories uh, that goes through is with a special forces, special operations guy named Chris Taylor, who lives down in Arizona. He hurt his back overseas and he was prescribed opiates, came back to the United States and was hooked on the opiates, got discharged, wasn't able to get the access to the pharmaceuticals that he that he wanted and ended up buying uh, some on the street, got arrested for it and and was charged with five different felonies for that. And since then, he's been able to rebound successfully. But it's a very common story that you hear that veterans are prescribed opiates or barbiturates to deal with whether it be mental or physical pain. And those manifest into addiction, which which onions into a much larger problem. And then when you look at the microcosms of where these guys are trying to live, such as the Phoenix VA, uh, where they're being put on secret waiting lists and being made to wait up to nine months to get treatment for of any kind, it's not a big surprise that a lot of us are dying very quickly, both by our own hand and by overdoses and, and addiction and, and just not not winning the battle for PTSD. So when you took to the road, you know, to to link up with, uh, you know, your former battle buddies, as, as, as you put it, um, what was their reaction to, you know, you showing up and, and what you are now doing and, and the message that you're trying to sort of illuminate? Sure. Um, it's, you know, vets are we're a prickly, we're a prickly bunch. And when you tell guys what you want to do and you want to talk to them and you want to interview them about PTSD, you have a lot of guys that immediately throw up the fence and they're like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to go back down that road. You hear a lot of times, I don't want anything from the VA. I don't want treatment. And so a lot of guys are, are very distant and that's actually a very good indicator that someone's struggling with PTSD. And so that's very much why I tried to push these guys to let me come and talk to them. And, and a lot of the guys in the film were hesitant uh, at first, and even through the editing process, they weren't 100% sure of what they got themselves involved with. But as they've now seen the film and they've seen the actions that we're out taking, you know, we were on Hollywood Boulevard on Saturday with a 15-foot sign just raising awareness of that, for the fact that 22 veterans end their own lives every day. And they see the passion that I've put into this project. They 100% support it. And furthermore, what's been really great about this whole experience is that I've helped other veterans find their voice because so many of us felt for so long, like, it doesn't matter what we say and we're just a number and, and you know, who cares about my problems? But the reality is when we got 
this group of vets together on Saturday and stood on Hollywood Boulevard with this huge sign, all of us in uniform, thousands and thousands and thousands of onlookers pass by and take our pictures. We raised awareness and we showed other veterans across the country how easy it is to stand up and, and make your message heard and do it in a, in a respectful and nonviolent way. And immediately I got calls from across the country from vets and organizations and rallies of people who want to get involved and who want to do similar actions. And now the guys that are in the film and, and were questioning at first are out there and they're sharing this information on social media and they're talking to other people and they're working on for the first time pushing their life in a positive direction that may include treatment of several different varieties. And that is a success story in my mind, because the real reason that I set out to make this project, you know, in the last year, when I finally got my head around it, was that I just wanted to let other veterans with PTSD know that they weren't alone, that they were struggling with similar issues that other people are struggling with, and, and that they should check out this movie because it offers a multitude of suggestions on how they could deal with it in whatever state they live in, and which is, is fascinating to them. So, you know, I'm really excited to get it out there. It's released tomorrow. We're doing it exclusively with iTunes through the rest of the month, and then it'll be available on all different digital outlets, Amazon, Google Play, and all of those and many others, as well as educational market, DVD. It's going to be, and we're going to keep pushing it out for years to come and keep pushing this message because it's a message collectively that vets support. You know, it's one of treatment. It's one of, of free and legal access to cannabis. It's one of a reduction of pharmaceuticals. It's a one of reduction of opiates and barbiturates. And and, and it's something that a lot of people can stand behind. And as you noted, the, the national opiate heroin epidemic is, is at a, a level of crisis it's never been before. And veterans have some of the best insight on how to deal with that and how to correct it. And, and cannabis is definitely helpful for that. I believe that cannabis can help people in their addictive substances, whether it be opiates or, or alcohol. I think that it can definitely help, help you re reduce and remove those substances from your life if you're using high quality, clean, uh, free legal access to cannabis. When you, you know, met up with with, you know, some of these vets that were that were struggling with PTSD and, and you pitched to them the idea of cannabis as as a tool to to help them. Obviously, it's not a cure, but it is a tool. What was their reaction? Was there a lot of hesitation? Was 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 it sort of a, you know, I've been thinking about it, but, you know, you, you sort of pushed them over the edge? Well, you definitely in this in mile marker, you get a wide variety of opinions. And there's definitely some guys who was immediate reaction to cannabis is negative and they don't want anything to do with it. And you'll hear one guy actually say specifically, I'm taking all of these other, you know, psychoactive drugs and you want me to add cannabis on top of that in a legal substance in his state. And he said, no, of course not. I can't handle that mentally. I can't handle that legally. That's not something I can do. But then guess what? He tried it. And a complete 180 degree reversal on that. And, and now he uses cannabis every day. And you get to hear this and from other guys who, who just knew from the start, they're like, I knew that this was going to help me and I tried it and it worked. And I'm just, my life is better because of it. And then you got the guys in the middle that are like, you know, I've heard about it. I've heard other guys using it, but I'm still going to take my pharmaceuticals right now because a doctor prescribed them and because they want to follow that traditional medicine route. And so you definitely get a wide variety of opinions, but in the end, you definitely see a larger sway of people who are like, oh, okay. And, you know, for me who lived out here in California, 
it's on the tip of every tongue. You know, I've done several, several interviews and, uh, there's been several articles on this movie and all of them have been focusing on the cannabis aspect. It's such a huge hot topic out here. And then I did an interview for a paper in New York last week and, and they don't focus on it because, you know, they, it was a byline in the, in the articles like, Oh, they mentioned cannabis and some people in Colorado are seeing positive effects, but Rose says it's not the silver bullet. It's not, but it's definitely something that's more helpful than opiates. It's more helpful than barbiturates. And, um, yeah, so you definitely get a lot of different opinions. And also, you also get an opinion from the VA because I interview the head of the National Center for PTSD Executive Division, Dr. Paula Schnur, who basically writes the book on how veterans are treated psychoactively in treatment through the VA system. And we discuss pretty significantly uh, cannabis and its role in treatment. And so everybody's talking about it. Even the VA is starting to open up studies, including it. And then, you know, you definitely at the end of the film, we, we meet Dr. Uh, Sue Sicily back in Arizona, who has the first FDA backed, DEA backed study for treating veterans with PTSD with whole plant cannabis. And so you get both the veteran point of view, you get the, the specialist point of view, and then you get the, the opposite. You get the, the people who say that it's that all of these stories and everything that I'm saying is just anecdotal and there's no real science behind it. So you, you definitely, it's a, it's a good contrasted debate about cannabis and its positive and negative effects for treating soldiers who have been in combat and, and exhibit signs of PTSD. So you mentioned, you know, the VA, uh, you mentioned some of the issues that they have in uh, Arizona, I believe you said. Uh, there's, there's recent legislation that was uh, pitched federally that would allow the VA to study medical cannabis specifically for PTSD. Um, you know, I, for for the listeners who aren't familiar with sort of the VA is the doctors of the VA are, are not allowed to even recommend uh, medical cannabis. They, they are sort of now just allowed to start talking to vets about it. Um, do you think that this you know, what, what what's your take on this small step in it, it, potentially how would potentially potentially affect, you know, the, the VA and the care that veterans receive right now? I think it's, it's a little late. I mean, they're definitely joining the conversation and that's a great thing for them to finally be doing. And it just takes this critical mass. It takes films being made. It takes articles being written. It takes veterans talking about it for organizations, especially at the federal level, to kind of start to open their ear to these kind of conversations. You see it time and again with all evolutions in technology. There's there's the, the early adopters and innovators who understand these things quickly, and then there's the laggards at the back end who are fighting it the whole way because they want to keep the systems that they have in place. And the VA are those laggards. They're at the back end of any innovation because they don't have uh, an operational system that they can intake this kind of information, analyze it, and do something with it quickly. It's an antiquated system that is completely over inundated with the, the needs of veterans. And, and at this point, we're struggling just to get ahead of the VA who can handle the job properly, let alone start to take on new studies like this. And I've said since I started pushing this movie that one of the, the best things we can do for the VA is get as many vets in, in the upper echelons of the VA as possible because we know what our organization needs. And 
I've, I, one of them specifically, one of the guys in my film, Lawrence Keating, who's actually a Vietnam veteran, uh, is a specialist, a transitions counselor in Long Island, New York. And he just wants to rip the whole VA system down and start new. He doesn't even want to use the term VA. He wants to just start something completely new because he thinks they're so out of whack. But at the same time, I don't think that's feasible. I think what we really need to do is take this system that we have and fix it in place. And that includes being able to take in these kind of ideas and explore them because it, it's cannabis, but there's other things out there uh, on the forefront of research that people are finding have great effects for people with PTSD. And you know, one of the organizations that I, I, I highlight in the film is, is, called, is an organization called MAPS, uh, and they are on the forefront. Uh, they're a nonprofit, and they fund studies that push uh, the the boundaries of science and what we're used to what we're used to doing with scheduled narcotics and, and drugs like that, so that we can find out if we've been hindering ourselves by by keeping these things locked up. And what's really weird about it is, you know, for me to find out through this whole process is that cannabis is a Schedule One narcotic, and what that means is that the federal government has stated that cannabis has no medical value whatsoever. However, heroin, cocaine, and methamphetamine are scheduled two narcotics, which means that they do have some kind of medical benefit. That right there shows you how ass backwards our federal government is and how much we need to drastically change it, not just at the VA level, but also at the federal level across our, our agencies. So, I mean, you, you mentioned sort of the, for lack of a better term, we're going to call them shortcomings of the VA. Do you think that, you know, and you mentioned MAPS, which, I mean, MAPS is doing some really great stuff as, uh, with regards to psychedelics, uh, microdosing of LSD, uh, microdosing of MDMA, all really cool stuff. Do you think that the VA should even be doing this research at this point? Or would you rather see it, you know, more of a, a private, maybe, uh, f- a private funded thing may be given to universities or uh, institutions such as MAPS. Well, I, I, I have to at this point say that I would rather go with MAPS. You know, I'd like to say that I would love the federal government to be able to handle it. But what we've seen time and again is that the federal government is completely unable to do that. You look at, I mean, just look at the space travel that's going on right now with SpaceX. SpaceX is able to put up a rocket into space for $120 million, and it would take the federal government $2.6 billion to put up the same rocket. The VA system is is rife with controversy and, and too much spending, and we have these private organizations that are doing amazing things. And people always you know, say, well, we need government. We need government. Don't need government. What do we need government for? Well, what about the roads? I want you to take out the iPhone in your pocket and look at that. A private company made that phone. I guarantee you a private company can figure out how to make a flat spot on the ground. And then with that, with that regard to cannabis and these studies, I don't think that our federal government is capable at this point of operating at a level where they can deal with this kind of information. It takes the private sector. And, you know, I've really kind of I used to be more of a liberal uh, and I'm definitely swinging towards our government is way too big. We drastically need to reduce our government and, and anything that the government does, private sector can do better. And in fact, there's an argument that I heard over this past summer that the only thing that the United States government is better than private uh, business at is killing people. That's the only thing. And that's only because they're legally allowed to do that. Um, and so I, I very much push this to private organizations, nonprofits, because we get the job done and we are getting the job done. I don't even subscribe to the mainstream media anymore. I can't. I can't focus on 
what the federal government's doing. It has literally no impact on my life. Um, and I, it, it never will. I will continue to live my life the way that I feel like it should. And I'm going to do the right thing. And that does not depend on what is written in legislation by Washington, D.C. My roads, man. But what about my roads? Um, <laughs> what, what did you, you know, 7,000 miles, man. That's a lot of car time. That's a lot of windshield time. What, what was the most fascinating thing that, that you sort of discovered in those miles? For me, it was a road to recovery. That, those 7,000 miles was a, a lot of time for me to get into my head and analyze where I was as a person and compare that to the guys that I was interviewing. And it was, it was epic. I mean, it, I love driving across the country. And one of my favorite parts of driving across the country is the diversity of this nation. We live in such an amazing place that has everything from the Southwest and the deserts to the green Northeast, to the West coast, to the North, to the South. I mean, it's amazing. We have everything. I even flew up into Alaska to get a couple shots for this movie because I really wanted to encompass all that America has to offer and show that visually to the people that are watching the film. And it's awesome. My favorite place to be is hanging out at the back of my Jeep Wrangler with a cup of coffee as the sun's breaking in the morning over a hill and taking that shot with a camera. That's my happy place. That's my passion. That's where I belong. And, and uh, that was epic for me to be able to do that and be able to capture it in a way and show people that story. So one of my favorite parts of the film it has nothing to do with veterans. It just has to do with the amazing diversity of our nation and the beautiful place that we live in. And I really encourage people both in the film and now to get out there, to drive across the country, to take the time doing it and to really, really bring it in because we, we live in an awesome place and America's just America's fucking awesome. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> um, and so what advice would you have to other veterans who, you know, might be listening, who are on the fence about, you know, maybe taking the plunge into cannabis or, you know, uh, doing something more non-traditional than, than, you know, the, the medication from their physician? Sure. I, you know, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're not sure about the cannabis side of it, what I want you to look into first is CBD, because the main thing that I find is people don't want to say cannabis because they're worried about the psychoactive uh, ingredients and, and getting high essentially. And CBD is a non-intoxicating form of cannabis, which has been proven time and again to have just amazing effects on both your body, cancer, your brain, the way you feel, pain, all these different things. And it gives you no intoxicating effects. I start every day with a drop, uh, you know, a dropper of, of CBD oil underneath my tongue and swish it back with a cup of coffee. And it just... It helps me. We, we, we know, and the VA know now, that the human body has the endo, endocannabinoid system within it, which has receptors for these things that are found in cannabis. And again, back to 16 years old, the first time I ever inhaled on a, on a hit of cannabis, I knew it was something that my body needed. And it's something that I still know my body needs today. I, and now, luckily, we just have a lot better quality, a lot better selection. And, and we have the private industry that's really propelling that forward where, where consumers like me are getting the best that's available to us. So the film comes out, you know, tomorrow, May 22nd. Um, where, where, where are people going to be able to find it? Um, you know, just... 
tell us where it is. Absolutely. So the Mile Marker, a documentary about veterans, comes out tomorrow, May 22nd. It's available exclusively on iTunes for the rest of this month. We did an exclusive deal with them, so we'll have prime placement on iTunes. Coming in June, it'll be available on Amazon. It'll be available on Google, Steam, Indiegogo, or Andigogo. Sorry, mispronounced that. The uh, Fandigo, whatever those. It's going to be everywhere on all the digital outlets. We'll, we'll have it on 12 VOD outlets um, coming out in June, and then it'll also be available to students in universities. Uh, we've done an education to get it out there. So we definitely appreciate your support. Uh, if you want to just check out information for the film, you can go to milemarkerfilm.com. You can watch the trailer. You can see the people that are in the film. You can see production photos, read up on the mission uh, of what we are trying to accomplish. You can follow us on social media, milemarkerfilm at Instagram and also on, on Facebook. And uh, we really appreciate you. If you're out there and you have any questions or, or you just want to communicate and tell your story, I'd love to hear from you. I'm always on the computer talking to people, and this has really just become a platform for both veterans and cannabis, and we're going to push it as far as we can. Well, man, I want to thank you for taking the time, you know, especially as the run-up to the release, uh, to, to come on the show. Um, you know, this has been a really, really uh, thoughtful, honest conversation, um, which, you know, we can definitely use more of. And, you know, I can't wait to see what other films uh, you come up with and, and just sort of, you know, to watch your evolution as a filmmaker. Uh, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to see the film. I didn't really want to, you know, go too much into it. Uh, you know, but but I it, it was I enjoyed it very much. It was a very sobering look, um, and I, I think that most people will come away with with more understanding of the the the, the big issue that is PTSD uh, and and the veteran community. So thank you again for taking the time. Sure. And I just want to add one more note to that. You know, the, the interesting fact about PTSD is that soldiers and veterans make up the smallest percentage of any group that holds uh, a percentage of the PTSD pie. We're less than 1% because less than 1% of our country serves in the military. So that means that this film is also available and can help thousands and maybe even millions of other people who have PTSD from other events in their life. And so we're going to be doing a free screening in LA tonight, May 22nd. Uh, at the Grove in LA at 7.30. It's free for veterans. We're going to be doing an action in DC on the 26th. We're going to be marching on the White House in the Plants for Pills rally. And then we're taking our action to New York on the 26th. We're going to be doing a demonstration in uh, Times Square. And then from there on the 28th, we're going to be doing a free screening at the student, uh, School for Visual Arts. We're doing a free screening in New York at the School for Visual Arts on May 28th. Doors open at 7.30, also free for veterans and their family. All you have to do is come out, show up, check out the film, and we're doing you know, value for value. We hope that if you learn something and, and if it was valuable to you, you would share it with other people uh, and create value. So thank you very much for having me on today. Thank you for helping me spread the message and the, and the needs of veterans in America today. And best wishes to you. And, and definitely please check out the film, Mile Marker, milemarkerfilm.com. It's been a pleasure. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily, along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House, and for the last year and a half, uh, I've been delighted, sort of thrilled to be the host of this podcast, uh, but this will be my final episode, so I want to thank you all for 
for listening over the course of last year. The download, the support, uh, the lack of being able to find me on social media. I'm sure that was frustrating to a lot of you, uh, but that's just sort of the way it goes. Uh, I have been your host for the last year, signing off, T.G. Brandfall.